Welcome to Big Man Big Theology. I'm Jordan. I'm Cody. I'm Trey. And we're a little rusty right now. <laughs> it's been a month and a half. It has been a little while. And we, we all look a little bit different. Uh, maybe a few pounds down, a few pounds up. Well, believe it or not, I think Cody lost weight <laughs> because he shaved off that mane he had. Cody had like uh, a girl's hair for a while and now he is completely bald. I think he looks good. Personally. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I'm not too pumped about it, but it is what it is. I think it looks so. great, man. Jessica won't let me shave my head because I quote, Trey, your face will only look fatter. <laughs> 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 and I'm thankful I have a wife who can uh, speak the, those kinds of truths into me and yep. in a loving way. There we go. Right. Well, so the last time we got together, we, we, we it was uh, George Floyd. It was COVID, and now it's been... Probably about a month and a half since all of that, and we are back together, and we're going to just start talking about theology again. We're going to start getting back into application, pastoral application, um, just different things like that, and try to encourage you guys and, and doctrine. And today we have our good friend, our pastor, our mentor in a lot of ways, um, and we are so thankful for him. Sean Merthew is here. He's also a good doctor, him and John English are both the good doctors around Morning View. So we're, we're thankful for his leadership, and he's going to join us for a conversation uh, on pastoral shepherding. And so um, what I wanted to sort of just do is read Psalm 23. We had a sermon this past Sunday about Psalm 23. Uh, I, I've been thinking about Psalm 23. We've been reading books about shepherding, um, and so that's been on our minds uh, for a while, and uh, actually, I have my. I was there. Actually, Sean's there already. Are you there already? No, you're not. My bad. Let me get there. I should have been prepared for this. <laughs> I mean, this is just so spontaneous for us to just <laughs> randomly record a podcast episode. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 23. It says, and, and at the beginning, it tells us who is the shepherd. It says, "The Lord is my shepherd." I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even when, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what? when we hear this, how do you think about shepherding in light of reading probably one of the most well-known uh, uh, chapters in the Bible? When you think about the Lord as being your shepherd, how do you now think as a whole about shepherding? What is shepherding? In your minds. Anybody can start. Doesn't have to be Pastor Sean, it can be Cody, it can be whoever. So what comes to your mind when you hear shepherd? Guiding. Guiding. Protecting. Protecting. Okay. One word answers are not good. Last well, <laughs> guys, we have done a podcast for a year. I just want y'all to know one word answers are not gonna be helpful here. <laughs> well and and I, I think some of this is 
so much, so much of this flows out of a context of a more agrarian system and a more agrarian economy. I mean, when was the last time any one of us actually physically ran into a shepherd, someone who was a herder of sheep? You know, that, that just doesn't happen. The last time I was in Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so the, the thinking, uh, just thinking from that context, it, it incorporates so many of the things you said. But, but there's a sense in which an earthly shepherd, his livelihood is dependent upon those sheep. He is invested in them, not just as a, as a commerce, not just as a resource, um, but, but he is invested in caring for them, in meeting their needs, in guiding them to where they need to go, in, in, in fending off predators and protecting them. And so there, there is, there's these so many dynamics that in our cultural context, we just don't have as great a familiarity with. But I think ultimately we understand it is a metaphor that's pointing us to the ultimate care and comfort offered to us by the leadership and governance of God. So there's a few words that all of you guys brought up, and, and we'll start with a couple of those words. So, Cody, you brought up guarding, protecting. Guiding. Guiding. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, I did protecting. Okay, yeah. well, we'll start with guarding, protecting. Uh, when you think about that, what are we guarding the sheep from? How, how should we guard? What, what are some of the parameters that we think about guarding? Yeah, there's – well, and the reason I say that is because, you know, one of the main instructions we see – in, in reference to shepherds, but also in reference to uh, pastoring by shepherding, is by protecting our flock from the wolves. Right. Um, and so there is a level of that. Now, that comes in many ways that we do that, you know, by preaching good doctrine, by preaching sound theology, by practicing biblical church discipline, um, by, by holding not only our flock accountable, but holding our shepherds accountable. Um, and and uh, in their actions and in what they're teaching and stuff like that. So um, I believe it, it comes in many different facets, like that protection does. Um, but yeah, uh, we are supposed to. We are called to protect our flock and to love them as we protect them. Not not be overbearingly, uh, you know, authoritarian to to say uh, we should not be doing that, but we should be lovingly protecting our flock. Yeah, it, it brings it to mind when I think about Paul. He is constantly warning these churches of uh, false teachers, wolves coming in. Even Peter does it in First Peter and Second Peter. We see we see that they are thinking about the end of the end of the age already. That the suffering that they're facing as Christians right now, uh, that it's ultimately going to come internal too at times, and that internal time is going to be because wolves have snuck in. It could be by super apostles, by these uh, false apostles. It could be by um, people teaching that Christ really isn't the Son of God. It could be by uh, saying that women uh, have the authority to pastor or preach uh, to uh, adult men and adult adults in general, uh, or just adult men. Um, it could be a manner of different things that we are constantly having to keep our eyes open for. And as, as, uh, as people who are desiring to be pastors, that's one of the things that sort of strikes me. It like hits me hard. Like, uh, I don't want to be a wolf myself. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to be, um, this, uh, this, this, this wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, I don't, I, I, I want to, 
know Christ and I want to preach Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. That's all I care to know about. That's what Paul said he cared to know about is, is the person of Christ and the cross of Christ. And that's really where I want to live. I want to help guard the sheep who are around me that may not, um, may not have the same ability to guard themselves from, uh, from these wolves that are trying to sneak in false doctrine. Any other thoughts on uh, guarding, guarding the sheep? I would just go back to when we ground this. Think of it even in what terms of what Jesus said in John chapter ten. You know, you come down. He talks about he is the good shepherd, the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. And Jesus contrasts himself there with a shepherd versus a hired hand. Mm. Kind of getting to exactly what you were saying, Jordan that you have the hired hand who's who's not the owner of the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf then scatters the flock. And, and so there is, there is a difference between uh, someone who's truly a shepherd, who's called to the ministry of shepherding, and, and someone who's just in it for a job. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of churches that are being injured by guys who are just in it for a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't heard a story about... Uh, that like the nation state church in Iceland, um, that there are actually a lot of like atheists who will become like a like, uh, a pastor for like the state church or a priest or whatever, right. just because like it is a pretty good paying job, yeah. um, which is scary. scary. Uh, those are blatantly wolves. Um, you know, wolves can also the reason that we say that they can be in sheep's clothing is that they can be deceptive, um, and there very well may be wolves who don't know that they're wolves, and uh, which which I think is even uh, an even scarier thought. Cody, do you yeah. want to say anything in regards to guarding and protecting? Uh, no, I mean, what I was going to say, I was tying into what I was talk, talking about with guiding. Yeah, before we get to guiding, um, I, just a good passage for this guarding is First Peter 5, and it's good. It's good passages in general, but when we think about shepherds, they need to be people who are not in it for shameful gain. They need. We've already talked about this. They're not under compulsion. Uh, uh, they're they're willingly doing this. They're willingly wanting to uh, guard the sheep, protect the sheep because they love the sheep. Um, and that's what that's what we think about how Jesus talks to Peter at the end of his life. If you love me, you will what? You'll feed my sheep. You'll take care of my sheep. You'll tend to my sheep. You'll protect them. You'll love them. And so we're not doing this under shameful gain, but we're doing it eagerly because we want to guard, protect, and love that which God loves and that which he has loved first. Um, so when we think about guiding the sheep, what do you, what do you, Cody, since you were thinking in that regards already, what, what do you think? Yeah, so when I think about guiding, and particularly in context to Psalm 23 and um, hearing of the Lord, our shepherd, guiding us, particularly in that context, by still waters. Mm-hmm. You know, my mind also jumps immediately back to Psalm 1, mm-hmm. right, of that we are... Um, the righteous man. Yeah, the righteous man is the one who plants himself by streams of water, right, and is, is fed um, ultimately by, um, you see in that context, he's delighting in the law of the Lord, Right, and he's drinking really of the word of God, and and that the first psalm serves as really the context for like ev- all 149 psalms to come after that. Because as you see throughout the psalms, every response the psalmist has to the situations around him are rooted 
in what God has declared in the law. Right. Right. The reason why he can have joy in the midst, like the reason why King David can have joy in the midst of hopeless circumstances is because of who his covenant God has revealed himself to be in the law, right, in the Pentateuch, right? So um, so in context to guiding um, and, pre- and even guarding, right, the reason, like when we think about guarding and guiding as shepherds, we have to think through the lens of what is our standard, yeah. right? So by what standard are we guarding? Are we guarding our sheep from just whatever whatever we want, right, whatever we're kind of inventing in our own minds? Are we guiding, right, our sheep by just some, like, subjective changing standard, right? Or, um, as the psalmist is intending, um, are we guiding the sheep um, by the declared word of God, right? right? So that's our standard. So when we think about shepherds and guiding the sheep, Right? They are guiding the sheep not to their whims or not to kind of the inventions of their minds or to even their own personal agendas, but they're guiding the sheep according to what God has declared um, in his word. Yeah, and that's, that's really um, what uh, Jesus says in his prayer in John 17. He's praying to the Father, sanctify them in your word. Your word is true. Um, and so that's what we're really wanting to point the sheep to, to guide the sheep to, to, to allow them to feed on. To, we, want, we, we really want, like as, as pastors and shepherds and preachers and teachers, we want to lay out this full course meal. And sometimes, you, sometimes it's not going to be, we, we know it's not going to be a full course meal, but our desire is to give them nourishment. Our desire is to give them uh, this this beauty that we find in the Word of God, and, and inside of the Word of God, we have the very gospel and the gospel truths, and that's where, and we we've talked about this in the past. We encourage you to go back and listen to past episodes where we sort of structure our framework is in the law and the gospel, mm-hmm. and we want to we we really want to show them their sin so that they can see the righteousness of Christ uh, fully. Um, the perfect law keeper for 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 their sins, and that's really where we want to guide them and allow them to start thinking about their own lives in those areas. Um, I heard another word. I think Sean brought it up, but and I think this is a this is a big big one, and, and it's caring. So mm-hmm. pastoral care, like yeah. how do we not just guide them and give them food, mm-hmm. but how do we? I think that's one way we care for them for yeah. sure. And I think another way we care for them is guarding, but there's there's numerous other ways. And where's some other ways you guys think of that come uh, to your mind? Well, and I would I would think this is where, you know, the biblical metaphor falls short. Yeah. Because when you think of an actual shepherd and sheep, um, that shepherd cares for, he leads, he protects, he guides, he does all these things. But the day also comes when the shepherd eats one of his sheep. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just the reality, right? Sean. Sean, Sean's been fattening us up for the slaughter over here. Uh, Sean's, like, well, Sean's, re- Sean's been looking at, us, looking at me and Trey like we're big, juicy steaks. Well, Sean, Sean's got a big family to feed, so. Makes sense. But uh, the, the point being, there is the dynamic that, that God, that, that Scripture itself communicates to us of, of love and relationship. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and John English even talked about this in his sermon on Sunday about knowing the sheep. Again, going back to John chapter 10, uh, Jesus says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own sheep and my own know me. That's good. And so there's a dynamic of relationship there that is borne out in love. You know, that, that a true shepherd would lay down his, his life for his sheep, that he is invested in them relationally, personally, mm-hmm. spiritually for their good. Uh, and, and, you know, the fact of the matter is no earthly shepherd is perfect. Jesus is only the perfect shepherd, and no sheep, no congregant is perfect either. We, we do navigate in the midst of a fallen world what it looks like to have a relationship. Sometimes we nip and bite at one another. Sometimes, you know, we, we let one another down. Sometimes we fail to keep our promises to one another. But yet in the midst of that, we have Christ who is sufficient even when we are not. Yeah. And we have Christ who draws us near to himself, who enables us to be a people modeled after him, after his character, conformed to him, who can and do love one another with a sincere Christ-like love that really causes the church to flourish in truth and, and in righteousness and in proper deed and doing. And, and that's a beauty of what Christ alone does. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to say, when I think of care and pastoral care, I think of presence, right, and just being there. Um, and so I think, yeah, the way that the pastor pastors are, are called to – um, live, in a sense, live life with their people in more than just a one-day-a-week kind of thing, but to to know, particularly in this like world context, like to know your sheep, you're going to have to spend more than just the hour and a half, right, with them on, on the Lord's Day. And I think even when you think about Scripture and you think about um, bad shepherds, so you can think of the Pharisees, or we, we kind of get this imagery throughout the Gospels that they were not shepherds who were actually present with their people. It's, it's people. interesting. Even, even, even in, in the Scriptures, Luke says that the Pharisees would load the people down with burdens, but they, were, they wouldn't lift away. them. They'd walk yeah, away. They'd they just would, walk away. They'd put the law on them, and then they would, they would just leave them there. They wouldn't yeah. provide any way and, of escape. Yeah, so, so you get this idea throughout the Gospels and throughout the prophets as well in the Old Testament that the only time the law teachers were with their people were when they were seeking to, like, discipline them according yeah. to the letter of the law. Yeah. Right? And like you said, heap of burdens on them. So we get this imagery, even if it's like a negative example in Scripture, that um, shepherds are more than merely a correcting force right. with their sheep. Right? That they, the only time that... When, like, the only time that a member sees a shepherd is when, like, they're being disciplined, that's right? A that's, that's a problem, yeah. right? And that, that, that's a picture that we see throughout Scripture um, that, and that's the reason why we have a plurality, yeah. right? So looking all the way back to Exodus, right? <laughs> right? Jethro, yeah. right, tells his son-in-law Moses, like, you cannot do, and it's a pagan. Like, Jethro's not a believer, right. but he, he, like, has enough common grace to look at the situation and say, like, son, you can't do this yeah. <laughs> on your own, <laughs> you know? Like, you need, right, able-bodied men who can come alongside you and do, and do the care right. that um, you're being called 
to do yeah. as a leader of the people. And so that's why we see that principle, right, carried on into new covenant life is right. that um, because shepherding requires presence, right, one man can't do that yeah. with everyone. And so that's why you see God gifting new covenant bodies, a plurality of pastors who can then as a collective right. unit come alongside their people and be present with them throughout yeah. the various seasons of life. Um, so one, one other thing I want, well, a couple of thoughts, uh, I'll be quick. Um, one of the things I think of when I think of care is I think of presence, I think of being with them, I think of relationship, uh, I think of friendship. Um, and we can't negate that rebuke is a part of it. So yeah, past, yeah, yeah. We, we are called to rebuke sin when sin is happening. Um, and that, that is church discipline is first off uh, starting with the pastors and then goes to the church. Um, it, starts with, it starts with confronting sin. Um, and then another thing that I think of when I think of care specifically, I, I don't want to wash this under the rug because I think this is something that pastors need to be devoted to often and a lot of it and that's prayer um it's it's studying scripture but it's prayer your members uh, i was reading an article um by old pastor friend uh who said if you're not praying for your people you're in sin there's there's sin if you're you are not actively going to god before before your people and asking for their salvation, asking for their sanctification, asking for their growth. Uh, they need their pastors to care for them in yeah. the work and in the labor of prayer. Yeah. Um, and uh, if we have if we have prayerless pastors, if we yeah. have prayerless pastors, we're going to be a, a a scornful congregation, a, yeah. a, a sinful congregation. A congregation. I'm thankful that. We regularly have pastors who are praying with our people, who are praying for our people, who get together as a group of men and pray together for our people, labor in prayer um, for our people. And that is that is a beautiful thing when you think about caring. When you think about, man, my pastors are praying for me. They're yeah. caring for me. They love me. They're not they're not out for my evil. They're out for my good. Yeah. Um, did you want to say anything? So the reason why like a prayerless pastor is a sinning pastor is because think about like what you're implying. When you're not praying for your people, you're almost you're in a way telling the world and your people that I am sufficient mm. to care for your needs. Right, mm. that I don't need to pray. Like you're for you. the ultimate yeah, shepherd. I don't need to pray for you, right? Right, because I can solve your problems. Mm. Right, why do I need any outside help when I'm the one that can accomplish this for you? Yeah. And so that's why that's so wicked to not live a life of prayer for your peoples, because prayer um, demands humility. Yeah, because prayer demands that you again sit under the reality that you are not the sufficient means of the nourishment of your people that ultimately christ right our sure. greater shepherd is he's the sufficient and means. that's what sean's been reading yeah. about in john chapter 10 yeah and christ like graciously allows pastors and shep and under shepherds to be part of that nourishing means um, let me ask sean a question how hard how hard would it be if you were alone pastoring a congregation that that the the way we are currently modeled, we practice church discipline, 
we practice all these different what if you were the only pastor how much how much burden would that be like what, could you could you speak to some of that yeah you know and i've i've often said i i don't know how men who are in smaller churches and more rural settings I don't know how they do it because it is such an incredible burden to bear. Well, and, and I do know how they do it. It's only Christ, right? Um, but it, it's it's amazing having been at a church and served at a church where I was the senior pastor and I had a staff and I had deacons, but I had no fellow pastors. Um, and then being able to come here and by God's grace, see God build a pastor's body and shift our polity to be more biblical. It, the difference is night and day. Um, and, and, it's, it's, and it's not only, and, and this is a critical part of it, it's not only that you have more help in shepherding the sheep, it's that you as a pastor are shepherded by fellow shepherds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we often forget that the, any shepherd is just ultimately a man himself in need of a daily ministry of the gospel himself. Amen in need of accountability himself, in need of encouragement himself, mm. and how so important that is. the pastor is being pastor. That's right. That's right. And, and that's, that's another critical dynamic that I think it's careful to preserve even when we talk about churches that have a proper polity of a multiple, multiplicity or multi, multiple pastors, multiple elders. Don't forget to shepherd one another. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, don't take it for granted that, you know, okay, we're in this together and let's go shepherd the sheep. Remember, you need one another. And, and we need shepherding between one another and how critical that is. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that is a really good point in terms of it's, so the pastors are the shepherds of the flock, but we have the chief shepherd, Jesus. But there's also this, this aspect of shepherding that's going on even amongst the flock and once one another. Yeah. We're, we're encouraged to speak the word, proclaim the word to each other and care for one another and pray for one another and, and live life with one another in such a way that's relational, that's personal, that knows the other members. Um, so there's there's shepherding even going on member to member. Uh, and we, we've seen that in our church numerous times outside of the pastor's body. Um, and, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, now I think to piggyback off of what Sean said when he talked about uh, smaller churches not knowing how a pastor does it. Yeah, I get that. And I would say even on, let's we'll swing the pendulum to the other side, these mega churches that have like tens of thousands of people and like they got like one senior pastor and then like there might be a campus pastor at however many sites they have, but it's really just kind of like a glorified administrator, not really doing the work of pastor. Like those things are troublesome to me. Um, especially when I meet somebody who goes to one of those churches, and I'm like, oh, wow, have you, have you ever met Pastor so-and-so? Well, no. Like, he has no clue you exist, and yet for some reason, like, he's going to have to answer for your soul. That's scary. Like, we're told that pastors are going to be judged more harshly on that day because mm-hmm. not only we're going to have to answer for our own lives, we're going to have to answer for those lives that were under us um, as as our flock. And so... Uh, it's it's a scary thought to think that there are pastors in our country who have congregations of 10, 20, 30, sometimes even 50,000 people that a lot of those people may be going to hell when they die. Yeah. And that pastor is going to have to answer about that. Yeah. And that's horrifying. And uh, And maybe even some of those pastors are wolves themselves and will just have that much more damnation heaped upon themselves. 
Um, it's, it's a very scary thought, and, and it's very sobering as somebody who wants to be a pastor. Um, us three, you know, me, uh, me, Cody, and Jordan, who were desiring the pastorate. That's one thing that, as we did the pastoral internship here, that was pressed into us. You're going to have to answer for these souls one day. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that 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 should uh, sober us up. Right. I'm going to give everybody a uh, closing word. Closing that was my closing word. That was your closing yep. word. Okay, Trey's closing word. I'll give you guys a closing word. Um, but as I close, I'll I'll, uh, uh, I'll say this. For the people who are, are being shepherded by men, it says in Hebrews 13, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, these these men, of course, need to be godly leaders. They need to be men who are worthy to be submitted under. Um, but it says obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who give an account will we'll have to give an account let them do this. Let these pastors now do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So what this is saying, what this is ultimately saying, is that we should be loving and caring for our pastors and allowing them to see joy in us as we're growing in the faith so that they so that they would not groan about us, <laughs> so that they would have joy. So that would, yeah. and, and I want to say, like I've I've not always been the easiest sheep to uh, love. I've not always been the sh- easiest sheep to care for. I'm I've been I've been tempted by groaning and complaining and all of those different things. But we need to constantly, when we sin against our pastors, we need to constantly come back to them, repent. I love them, care for them, tell, encourage them, exhort them to love and good works because they are keeping watch over our souls. Yeah. yeah. And on a similar word um, to sheep, regarding those who are seeking to shepherd your souls, um, I'm always trying to rem- remind myself of um, just the call to love in First Corinthians 13 that, um, we're called to believe all things and hope all things, um, and that especially, right, towards those who are leading and shepherding our souls. And so even in a moments where, like, in the world, naturally, inherently, we're going to have sheep will have, may have disagreements with their shepherds, right? Um, their, their call is um, not only, right, not only one of, like, having a genuine conversation about those things, but primarily it's one of um, biblical love towards their pastors. So even in the midst of disagreements, right, which will come in the world um, because we're finite and we're going to disagree and even, you know, pastors, shepherds can get things wrong, sheep can get things wrong, and that's just the natural reality of um, living, living this world as fallen people. Um, in the midst of that, we have to intentionally, because it's not natural, right? Our flesh does not naturally desire to believe the best mm-hmm. of, um, of those around us, and particularly in our culture, of those in authority, right? We hate authority in our culture. And so I think it's so important in our cultural moment, as particularly as sheep, um, to intentionally and by the Spirit's help um, believe the best, believe all things and hope all things and walk in that kind of um, trusting love 
towards those who are seeking to do the weighty and joyful task of shepherding your soul. That's a good word, Cody. And, and I would just add, you know, as you, as you look even towards what are called the pastoral epistles, when you look at First and Second Timothy and Titus, so much of what Paul tells those young men comes back to that centrality of the prayer and ministry of the word. But also over and over again, especially to Timothy, Paul warns him over and over again, it's going to be hard. You're going to face hardship. You know, people are going to want to have their ears tickled. People are going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to complain. They're going to do all these things. We want to understand that as a shepherd, you are, you are called to be an instrument of divine work in the midst of a sinful world. Hmm. Shepherding is not easy, but it's incredibly fulfilling as it draws us into Christ. And, and, and real shepherding is going to set a model before the congregation to where we all realize we are responsible not just to submit to our shepherds, you know, so they can do it with joy, as, as Jordan said a few minutes ago, but we're to, we're to shepherd one another joyfully and love one another and relate to one another, realizing that our shepherds are there to equip the body for the work of ministry. So... Yeah, so as we close, um, these things don't change with a pandemic. Um, we are, even though we're in COVID, these things don't change. Uh, we want to, as men who are pursuing as pastor, uh, we desire to shepherd even in the midst of this. And praise the Lord, we have things like telephones. We have things like uh, we can come, I mean, during the pandemic, uh, I went out and sat on uh, a driveway six feet away from someone. So, I mean, we, ha- we have opportunity. We don't stop. We don't slow down during the midst of crisis. We actually pick up the pace and, and care for our body as best we can in the midst of a crisis. Mm-hmm. And so we th- we're thankful. Uh, you can email us at bmbt1689 at gmail.com. We check those emails often. Uh, Trey does anyways. Uh, and uh, we will see you hopefully in, we, hopefully we can get back to our routine. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.